We're often looking for ways to attract new customers, make new hires, scale our business. But by focusing on these things, we sometimes neglect looking at what we already have, how we can strengthen what we're already doing well, and finding those small, weaker spots that we can improve. This isn't something that we can do just once and forget about it. So I'm going to share what I do to retain customers, create repeating customers, and how I gather and use their feedback to make improvements in my business. Honestly, without doing this, the Tutors Mastermind wouldn't have existed in the way that it does today. The members are who make it better. So grab a pen and paper or your notes app on your phone and get ready to list some ideas that you can use from what I'm sharing and new ones that you think of. If you can't make notes right now, that's fine. The main thing is that while you're listening, keep what you currently do in the forefront of your mind so that you can very quickly think of very small things that you can improve that can have a really big impact on your business. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. Today, I'm going to talk about four ways to dive a bit deeper in your business to make what you offer stronger and also to attract and retain clients, which let's face it, is the ultimate goal. Now, this episode is going to be interesting regardless of whether you have an established business that's gained momentum or if you're at the beginning stages, because it will give you lots of ideas of what you can put in place nice and early that a lot of new business owners don't know to do. So let's jump straight in. The first thing is to really get to know your clients and potential clients. Now, I'm not talking about knowing their pain points and doing the traditional target audience exercises. These are, of course, important, but knowing your customer in more depth allows you to build relationships that lead to long-term business. And for new clients, it gives them the confidence that they're being seen and heard by you. The best way for me to explain what I mean is to give you a couple of examples of how I do this so you can either use those ideas or think of some new ways. As a tutor, I start every lesson with a conversation. I ask things like, how was your day? How was your weekend? That kind of thing. A few weeks ago, I asked one of my older students how their day at school had been. And she said, oh, it was really stressful because I fell out with a friend who I've known since nursery. She was really worried about it. So we talked about what happened. I offered her my advice and I told her how proud I was of the fact that she dealt with the situation so maturely. And after we had that conversation and she got that validation, I saw her visibly relax. And because she was relaxed, she was engaged in the lesson and walked away from it feeling a little lighter. So yes, I'm her English tutor, but I've made the point to really get to know her and she trusts me. Recently, her grandfather died and she sent me her funeral speech just to look over because she wanted me to give her that thumbs up. And this relationship means that she gets so much out of our lessons and I do as well, but she knows that I care and her parents know that as well. And so when I offer something new or if I make suggestions like we went from working together once a week to twice a week because I felt she needed the extra support, 
Her parents said yes without hesitation. However, if I hadn't built that relationship with her, if I hadn't understood her personality and needs, then I wouldn't have been able to suggest something that improves her experience with me. But also, her parents may have hesitated to go with my suggestion since having two lessons a week instead of one costs them more money and is a bigger time commitment. So here, doing more than a standard target audience exercise and understanding that she isn't the only teenager who faces some of these anxieties and challenges means that I can put this across in my content that potential clients consume. And they then have the confidence that I really understand them and that I care about their children. So it helps me attract new clients and retain my existing ones. Knowing your clients from different angles also helps make what you offer stronger. For instance, in my discovery calls that people book when they want to join the Tutors Mastermind or work in a one-to-one capacity with me, I often ask them whether they've ever invested in any other business support. And if the answer is yes, I ask them what they liked about it and what they didn't like. I ask them if they've done some research and why they chose to specifically book a call with me. Now, this is such valuable information because not only does it make people feel like they're being seen and heard, which they are, but it allows me to do two things. Firstly, I can be really honest and targeted with the support that I suggest because I've understood enough to suggest something that ticks the boxes for them. But it also allows me to make what I offer stronger because I know what I'm doing well and what they like, so I can keep doing that and I know what puts them off. So I can advise them if something I offer won't be suitable, or I can bear it in mind as my business develops. For example, I had a discovery call with someone who's now a member of the Tutors Mastermind. And when I asked her about what put her off other business coaching groups that she had invested in, she said that she didn't like being upsold to, or being dictated to, and made to feel bad if she wasn't doing things the way that that coach suggested. Now, the latter was fine with me because I don't do formulas or tell people to do things in a fixed way. And I was able to reassure her by showing her real examples. But the fact that she didn't like being upsold to was a fair point. And it was one that I hadn't thought of before. And so as I develop my business and create some self-study courses, I'm keeping that feedback at the forefront of my mind. I don't want to be creating courses that people in the tutor's mastermind feel they need and therefore need to spend even more money to get the support that I'd offered them in the first place. But even though they may not need it, I want to give them the option. So I've come up with a special discount just for members. They may not need the course, but if they do, at least I've made it accessible for them. And in turn, they know that they are valued by me, which retains them and increases the likelihood of them recommending the mastermind to other people. So ask those questions. Take the time to really get to know your clients. Like you, I'm really busy, but I prioritize asking people to book calls with me because meeting them and understanding them helps me forge a much stronger relationship than if they simply clicked a button on my website to start working with me. It's a very small time commitment for a very valuable research exercise. The second thing that will make your entire business stronger is to open yourself up to feedback and listen to other opinions. Recently, I saw an interesting exchange on social media where a business coach shared their advice. Now, it was really their opinion, but their expertise gave them the confidence to frame it as a fact. Someone commented and disagreed with part of their point, which was based on their experience. And here's what happened. 
the business coach got defensive. And instead of taking the time to listen and discuss, their focus was very obviously to prove that person wrong. Now, to me, that's a really dangerous approach, but it can be hard to change because when we're offering potential clients the chance to benefit from our expertise and suddenly they have a different opinion or can share some insights, it can make us feel insecure. But being a classroom teacher, and actually I learned this when I was a business trainer, my very first mentor said to me, if you don't know the answer to a question, tell them you don't know. Say you'll go away and find out because it's great for trust. And when I was a teacher, I remember being in lessons where students taught me something new and they loved it and I encouraged it. I made clear that just because I was their teacher didn't mean that I knew everything and being open to learning from them didn't make me a weak teacher. And it's something that really stays with me. In my Facebook group, which, by the way, you're very welcome to join, just follow the link in the show notes, I often ask the members questions to find out their opinions. I make my opinion clear, but it's not unusual for someone to disagree with me. And I really enjoy it because it forces me to think about my opinions in more depth, which in turn helps me give people far better support, but also sparks an interesting discussion, which for me is what those kind of communities is all about. Whether I'm your tutor or business coach, I don't expect you to listen to and follow everything I say. If you disagree with me, we'll find a different route that sits well with you. And that makes me better at what I do. So it's important for us educators to keep learning, even if it's from our clients or potential clients. It doesn't diminish the support we can give them, but it does nurture a relationship where we're peers, we're teammates who are working together, which I personally really like. I also mentioned the importance of asking for and listening to honest feedback, even if it's hard to hear. I've talked in the past about how I almost made a huge mistake before launching the Tutors Mastermind. And the thing that stopped me was asking for feedback of this idea that I had. And the Tutors Mastermind is going from strength to strength, not because of me, but because again of the members' feedback. I listen to them and respond. And on the flip side, positive feedback helps you stay strong. It gives you an idea of what you're doing well so you can keep doing it. And of course, it's really motivating. So in my opinion, it's really valuable to open yourself up to feedback and other opinions and to see it as a tool that helps you get stronger rather than seeing it as something that exposes your weaknesses. Now, this leads me to my third thing having a strong welcome and exit conversation with everyone you work with, whether it's a client, a member of staff. It's something that's really common with large organisations. I don't think I've ever walked away from an employed position without an honest exit interview. But as common as it is with larger organisations, it's not so common with small businesses. And on the note of what I was saying earlier about learning from your clients, this tip is inspired by one of my clients, Cindy Palmer. She's the director of STEM tutoring and she's based in America. Cindy hires tutors and something I love about how she ends her relationship with both tutors and students is how she has that exit conversation. Now, it wouldn't be fair for me to share exactly what she does, but the thing I like is that it means that that relationship ends on a really positive note. We often focus on getting new clients or how we're looking after existing ones. And in the process, thinking of clients who leave us gets neglected. But if you think about it, having a really strong exit process means that your client or member of staff leaves on a positive note, which increases the chances of them recommending you to someone else or even returning to you in the future. 
So for instance, you could do things like telling a student how proud you are of all the progress they've made. You can highlight the differences between when you met your client and where they are now, which inevitably makes them feel really good about themselves and the hard work that they've poured in. You could even leave them with some tips of what they can do as time goes on, and you can welcome them to reach out if they ever need you again. As you might know from past episodes where I've talked about growing your business or marketing, I'm a huge fan of relationships taking the lead. And when someone stops working with you, that doesn't have to mean it's the end of that working relationship. It might be the end of your working together for now, but you can do it in a way where the relationship has a lasting impact. And so on to my fourth tip, which is related to what happens when a working relationship ends. Sometimes our client relationships naturally come to an end, but if you forge something strong with your clients, you never know how they might come back to you. For instance, I teach students English up to GCSE level, so once they've taken their exams, we naturally stop working together. Like every year, this happened with a few of my students this year, but one of them recently asked for some more lessons with me. I was a bit confused at first, but then I realised, well, I found out it was because she wanted to write a short book, a short story, and she wanted my help. Now, I never would have predicted that that would have happened. And of course, I said yes. But let's say that that one-off situation never happens again. Something that does happen frequently in my business is that I get contacted by ex-clients, ex-parents, a few years after we've stopped working together because they now want me to teach a sibling. Now, it sounds like an obvious process. If you've taught someone's child, why wouldn't they think of you when they're looking for a tutor a couple of years later? But that's not always how it works. What if they've lost your details? Or maybe you taught their child for a short period of time, so they've forgotten about you. I think this is where having a digital presence really comes into play, especially on social media, because that's an easy way to stay on people's radar. A lot of us think of social media marketing as a way to simply attract new clients. And if that's not an area that people struggle with, I know a lot of people who see no use in spending their time creating content for it. But in my tuition business, I've been fully booked for a number of years now with a waiting list, but I still maintain my social media presence. And part of the reason that I do it is because I want to keep in touch with people who I previously had a working relationship with. I had a child who participated in a very short summer school in 2020. Recently, his mother got in touch, so we're talking two years later, because now he's in secondary school and he wants some help. Her and I honestly barely had a relationship because I only talked to her son for six weeks, but I see her commenting on and liking my social media content, so I know that in a loose way, we've kind of kept in touch, which makes me a natural choice for her to reach out to when she's looking for a tutor. So have things in place that keeps people in your world, a topic I discussed and shared ideas for in episode 28. Now, I want to give you some actions that will help you strengthen your business. In fact, I'll share three things that you can do now that really complements all the things that I've discussed today. The first is to identify your weak spots, because unless you know what they are, it's difficult to know exactly what to strengthen. I talked today about getting to know your clients in depth and opening your doors to feedback and opinions. It might be hard to hear, but knowing what needs to improve in your services, your products or how you deliver them is a great way of taking the guesswork out of the equation. You're hearing from people who are investing in what you offer and they can help you make your business stronger. You can find out what they think through things like feedback forms, polls, which are great for things like Facebook groups, having conversations and so on. 
At this stage, you don't have to take immediate action, but just arm yourself with that information. The second thing to do is to ask yourself how you welcome clients into and handle their exits from your business. This can go a long way in ensuring that they feel supported, which means that your relationship starts on strong footing. Maintaining that all the way until they leave you can go a long way in boosting the chances of them recommending you to others and becoming repeat customers. And the third is to analyze how you keep people in your world, be it people who are interested in what you offer, not sure whether they're ready to buy from you, or people who have stopped working with you, but might return further down the line. Some obvious ways to keep in touch are through things like Facebook groups or email marketing, but you may have other great ideas. The main thing is that you're staying on their radar in a way that they can choose whether they want you to. Because if they choose and give you permission to do so, there's a much higher chance of them engaging with you. I'd love to hear your ideas and continue this conversation. So since we can't write comments under this podcast episode, check out my YouTube video where I've shared lots of ideas of how you can hit these three points I've talked about today. The link is in the show notes. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening and you'll hear from me next week. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas you can tailor to your education business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes or visit www.upgradeyoureducationbusiness.com.